0: Thank you, Hannah. That was great. Let your will be done. On this way with Jesus. I'm going to begin by giving you your assignment for next week, if that's okay. We're going to start at the end and um, find our way back to the beginning, and then we'll get to the end at some point today. Okay. Assignment for next week is this. I want to invite you to, every day this week, do one thing. It's going to take you maybe five minutes every day. I'd like you to read Matthew 5, 1 through 12, our text this morning. I'd like you to read that every day this week. Just five minutes. Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Uh, We know those as the Beatitudes, and that's where we're going to begin today. But the Beatitudes, I'd like you to read those every day and ask yourself one question What do I hear God saying? Okay, so you got it? That's the assignment. Read that every day. I promise you there's going to be a test next week. Okay? So when you come here next week, we're going to start at that point um, to some degree. But but let's just leave that as your assignment as we think about the Beatitudes. Now, the word Beatitude itself, um, according to the secular Webster Dictionary, it literally means... A state of utmost bliss. And so as you're reading the Beatitudes this week, I want you to be thinking about that. What is God saying to me about a state of utmost bliss? And what does that mean for us? It all begins, it all begins, everything, with one word, and it's the word blessed. The it I'm referring to is the way of Jesus, being on the way with Jesus. It all begins with one word, but that is really what God had in mind for the people of God from the very formation of the people of God. From the very beginning, God gave us that word. If you remember, Abraham was given these words by God, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, but I will bless you. I have this very sneaky suspicion I always have that God wants to bless us more than we realize, that God actually wants to bless us more than we maybe even want ourselves to be blessed. We are to be and we actually are a blessed people, but that is where things get a little murky. What does it mean to be blessed? Many people um, will say that, will use that phrase, I am blessed, but what does that mean? What do you think? What do you think it means to be blessed? Anybody? Anybody? What does it mean to be blessed? Chosen? Chosen. Is that what I heard? Chosen? Okay. What else? Loved? Loved. Favored? Favored. Redeemed Redeemed by grace? Good. Forgiven? It's all good. What do you think the world thinks when we hear people say, Well, you know, I'm just so blessed. What do you think outside of our context? I'm sorry? Lucky. Lucky? Yeah? Sorry, say again. You have stuff, right? Yeah. Get their way. way. That's good. Anything else? Blessed. Fortunate. Fortunate? I think they're lucky, they're fortunate, they have stuff, they get their way. I'm blessed. It's an interesting word for us, but it's an important word. Uh, Today, Jesus, we're going to be with him as he launches the most famous sermon, uh, not only in the Bible, but probably of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. We read this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to them, and he began to teach them. And as he launches um, this sermon, he does so by repeatedly using the term blessed. Nine times in 10 verses, Jesus says blessed, 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 over and again. So it stands to reason that we need to understand something of what this term um, really means. It, It does mean, the actual term that Jesus uses does mean blessed or happy, but not in the sense of our circumstances being all that we want them to be, or a life that's free from pain, and sorrow, or or a life that never lacks what we want, or what we desire. Rather, blessed in the New Testament has this interesting meaning. It means the distinct delight from participation in life with God. Say that with me. Blessed in the New Testament means the distinct delight from participation in life with God. What an interesting way to think about that, because what that does is By understanding it in that way, it's going to help us understand what we're about to read. And it flips on its head our typical understanding of what it means to be blessed. And it now helps us understand why the way of Jesus is indeed a blessing. So he began to teach them. And this was the first thing he said. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Now that's different, right? That's a little different. This is different from the status quo. I think you could say this kind of thinking is different from the status quo of life outside the church and sometimes it's different from the status quo of life inside the church. Each beatitude that's listed here is worthy of its own sermon. And in the past, we've done that. But what we're going to do today is we're going to take the 30,000-foot view of, of this passage because when Jesus gave these, what we call, beatitudes to these original followers, these original listeners. He didn't give it to them in a sermon series format. Okay, this week we're going to look at this beatitude. No, he just gave them the entire, some whole of these teachings. Now many people, many people believe and look at these and assume that they're action items of subtype. Or they look at them as some kind of ethical imperative. And really, that's probably much easier for us to handle them that way. That's what we could do. We can break them down that way. I think we prefer that because then we can simply make this how-to kind of list and lesson to figure out what we're going to do to accomplish it. And we say, okay, well, now, now I'm, I'm being poor in spirit or, or I'm being pure in heart and I'm doing this. And the only problem with that is we then create our own little legalism with the Beatitudes. But I think there's a lesson in that too. And the lesson is this. We can't do what Jesus says here as we walk on the way with him. We can't do this on our own. We can't pull this off with our own ingenuity and self-effort and religious knowledge. These are beyond our best efforts. Think about it. Joyful when you're poor in spirit and mourning a loss? Glad to take second place and hunger for what is right? rather than what may please me or the world? Being happy, offering mercy, and seeking peace when the normal, acceptable response is road rage or social media assault or all-out war? Rejoicing in gladness when you're mistreated, when you're maligned, when you're minimized by others? Can you do any of that on your own? No. Nor can I. Dr. Wesley Tracy said this, In the Beatitudes, Jesus invites you and me to join him in being more loving, more forgiving, more merciful, more gentle than anyone has a right to expect us to be. I love that. He will supply the grace. You can't. So, this is not an action item list, but it's something much more, something deeper. It is an invitation. It's this invitation from Jesus to to live into our deepest aspirations to be the best self that God has made us to be. It's this beautiful invitation by Christ into this life that he intends for us. These Beatitudes, look at them. They're drawn from very real challenges we all face. They pull us towards the kingdom of God that's available to us in the life with Jesus, empowering us to live the way of Jesus. Remember what we learned last week from uh, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, these two sets of brothers? Come, follow me, Jesus said. And we saw and we learned that it was the keystone decision of following Jesus that changed everything. So, so this is really important. We are not called to follow the Beatitudes. We are not called to follow the Ten Commandments. Don't throw anything at me. Hear me now. We are not called to follow Paul's teachings, we are called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow him, the person of Jesus Christ. The Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments and Paul's epistles and all of Scripture bring revelation to us on how to follow And what that means. We don't discount any of that, of course not. And you know I'm not saying that. But the call here is to follow Jesus. And in following him, we walk in the way of his kingdom. As Hannah so beautifully sang for us, the Lord's Prayer. We we seek his will, his kingdom, that these beatitudes reflect. Not a geographical kingdom, but something more essential. You see, the kingdom of God is this, the kingdom of God is where God's way is the rule of life. And so that's a great benchmark for us to ask a question. Is God's way, is the way of Jesus my rule of life? Is it the organizing principle and person that I organize my life around? Is it my rule of life? That's so critical for us. Jesus said said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We follow him. He is the organizing principle of life. So that's why reading God's word is critical. That's why learning in community together is critical. That's why putting into practice what we learn, not not just reading the scriptures but living them, is critical. But you know, it's also kind of hard in some ways. Uh, we have created this challenge for ourselves. We have bought into a gospel, a teaching of Jesus that simply manages our sin. Uh, let me explain. We, we, we have a gospel in some ways that's really about us getting ready for heaven or about having a good life, but really not about change, not about transformation. We've bought into a gospel that's kind of quick to make sure we get heaven set and that we get what we want for our good life, but not about being actually transformed. And as I said last week, we live into labels like religious person or Christian without change, and so we make it, we kind of make, This idea of Christianity, another option for trying to build a good life portfolio. But the Beatitudes challenge this. They ask the question that Dallas Willard asks, which is this what really is the good life? What really is the good life? Stephen Neal helps me when he says, being a Christian means to be like Jesus. And it depends on a certain Inner relatedness of the living Christ. Before I go on with that quote, do you, do you see what that says to us? It depends on that inner relatedness. And, and if we don't have that inner relatedness, we could read all the Bible we want. If we don't have that inner relatedness, we can come to church all we want. If we don't have that inner relatedness, we can do all the good we want. If we don't have that inner relatedness. We don't have what we need to live this way, this good life. He goes on, through this relatedness to the living Christ, all other relationships of a person to God, to himself, to other people are transformed. What a thought that is. So these Beatitudes are descriptions of how the world works. In the way of Jesus, in God's kingdom way, which is fundamentally, the kingdom way is fundamentally in the realm and the way of relationships. And the truth is, isn't that really what the good life is about? Isn't real life about relationships? Because as Neil says, living the way of Jesus transforms relationships, all relationships with God, with other people, and even with ourselves. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is pointing to what matters most in his kingdom, what his kingdom is truly about. Now we're going to listen to them again, and we're going to listen this time from the message translation. And as we listen to them, listen again to these words and listen for how singularly they are about relationships, centered in a relationship with God. Listen closely. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you... There's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort. They're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gone into this kind of trouble. You see, I think sometimes we read passages like the Beatitudes and we want to dissect them. We want to understand the original meaning. We want to be able to explain it. And then what we want to do is we want to try to master it. And so we try to master it and we write down our spiritual to-do list. And that's one of our responses. The other response is this. That all sounds good, but... And we throw in our butt. That all sounds really great. But... And we immediately deflect away from the possibility of this transformed life that Jesus is inviting us to. This transformation that can only come when we clearly, decisively, and daily make the keystone decision of following Jesus in his way. But to see, what Jesus intended here for these people and for us was simply for each person to receive the invitation, to hear the invitation, and then this invitation to live this inside-out, upside-down kind of life Begins to work on our lives. It emerges out of a relationship with Jesus. And he invites us just to simply apply it right where we live. And be changed by it. And be changed by him because of his grace. As he invites us, he invites us in. I love what Max Licato said about Matthew 5. He said, it's not a religious gimmick or attempt at pumping people up to do something good. But he says this, no, Matthew 5 describes God's radical reconstruction of the heart. I love that. That is hopeful to me. I hope it's hopeful to you. This this radical reconstruction, I like that. These beatitudes show us what God really wants to do in us. They show us the reconstruction project God has for our hearts. Imagine reconstructing our heart with the beauty of humility. Reconstructing our hearts with the security of his comfort. Reconstructing our hearts with the power of gentleness and kindness. Reconstructing our hearts with the bridge of peacemaking Reconstructing our hearts with the redemptive benefit of the doubt kind of mercy. With the clarity of singular devotion. With the strength to go through whatever. With the grace of enduring love. And with the joy of knowing no matter what. You are His. You belong to Him. My friends, that's a world changer. When we really believe that, when we grab hold of this, when we let these words become ingrained in us, when we do that as we follow Jesus, that's a world changer. This is how the world is changed. In the shadow of darkness, and fear, and anxiety, and sin, and pain, and sorrow, and suffering in our world. This is how that world is changed. This is what makes our world a better place. God unleashes you and me. God unleashes on the world the blessed He unleashes the truly blessed ones of the world. Every great advancement in culture and society that has benefited humankind, track it. It most often finds its root in a follower of Jesus who wanted to make their world better. God unleashes the truly blessed, those truly living the good life, those whose beautiful, winsome lives reflect His beautiful, winsome life. N.T. Wright was being interviewed recently, and he talked about the victory we have in life and the victory of God, and he said this. This is how the victory is won. Not by God sending in tanks, but by God sending the meek and merciful and hungry for justice people, and the peacemakers, and so on. And by the time the dark forces, and he went on to say the bad guys, by the time the dark forces realize what's going on, the meek and the merciful and the hungry for justice people have built schools and orphanages and hospitals and are going around caring for the poor and the disadvantaged, and they're reminding the rulers of the world that their primary job is to look after the weak because God is releasing on the world the truly blessed ones. It is the inside-out, upside-down way of Jesus. This is the inside-out, upside-down way of life. The winsome lives, these winsome lives that God wants to populate the world with. Lives so needed in this world we live in our world needs your life. Our world needs your life. Your blessed life. Your blessed life, my blessed life, in the truest sense. May we live inside out and upside down in Jesus, and may we walk in his way wherever we find ourselves. And it is then that we are truly, truly Blessed. communion invites you and me to remember how jesus showed us the way to actually living out the beatitudes actually following his way it is the way of giving ourselves wholly to god fully to him even as we give ourselves to one another and the world around us in a life of self-donation. Because what we see at the cross is God himself in Christ donating his life to us. He showed us the way to the blessed life, a life fully devoted to him. So as we come to the table today, let us invite Jesus to reconstruct our hearts with his grace. Let us invite Jesus to empower our lives with his love and his mercy so that we can live this inside-out, upside-down life. Living on the way with Jesus cannot be lived apart from him. So let us, let us turn to him. Let us come to the table of the Lord today seeking to be on the way with Jesus. I'm going to ask our pastors if they would come as we prepare for communion this morning. And as you come to the table today, I invite you to stand with me. Please stand. Come out of your section on the left side and receive the sacrament, and then let's return to our seats, and we will participate together being reminded of how Jesus showed us the way to live this life, this upside-down, inside-out life that blesses the world. Let us come to the table of the Lord. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he met with his disciples. And he pointed to the way in which he was going to show them how to do this. How to live out in reality this upside-down, inside-out life. The truly blessed life. The truly good life. And so he met with them in that upper room. And he took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he broke it. And he gave it to his followers and he said, This is my body given, given for you. And he showed us that the blessed life is the generous life. Not about economics and stuff, but a life given to God and to the world. And so... Let us remember that he gave his body for us and let us be thankful. Let us participate. He then took the cup and again he gave thanks to the Father and he gave the cup to his followers and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant, my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of many. And he gave us the key that it's in grace through the forgiveness of our sins and life given to us from God through Christ. That's the secret. So he said, this is my cup. And then he said, do this also in remembrance of me. As we partake, let us remember that it's in Christ that we find the grace needed to live day in and day out every day for him. And let us give praise. Let us give thanks. I invite you to stand this morning. And as we go today, let us go and let us live the blessed life. Let us live the life that finds distinct delight in participating in life with God. And let us reveal to the world. That life. In Christ's name, amen. I bless you. Greet one another in his name.